Well, amen. amen. Thank you so much, uh, Jeremy, for that introduction. What a delight it is for us to be back at Bellwether. Uh, when Pastor John Hugh Tate, uh, many years ago, was at uh, Duke University, we began to talk to him about uh, working with us with Mission Mississippi. He did an intern with us during the summer. We tried to uh, convince him to join us with Mission Mississippi, but he felt like that God was calling him into the pastorate, and you are blessed because of that follow-through on that call. My wife and I are here today. My wife, Rosie, uh, wave your hand, Rosie. Uh, we, we, there are two, two things. Uh, there are two things that's important. One is we've been married for 44 years right now. Now, hold that, hold that, hold that. But we've worked in ministry together for 43 years. Now, now let, me, let, me, let, me, let me confess something. It's hard enough to be married 44 years. Let me confess that. Okay, y'all got it? Y'all got it? But to be married and to work together... <laughs> is a challenge. And God has blessed us in that challenge. We started off in the work in Mendenhall, Mississippi. We were there for 27 years. And then we came to Mission Mississippi and worked with Mission Mississippi for about 15 years. And then we started a foundation called Rural Education and Leadership Christian Foundation. And we've been engaged with that for the past uh, 17 years both with Mission Mississippi and with that. On October the 1st, we're going to celebrate. And all of you are invited. We're going to be celebrating 44 years, well, at that time, 45 years of marriage and 44 years of working together in ministry. And so we're going to be encouraging you <laughs> to join us for that big celebration and that big party, Okay. I serve on the board of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. InterVarsity is one of the largest uh, independent, non-denominational campus ministries in the world. We work with 40,000 college students in America and another 500,000 college students worldwide. February the 19th through the 22nd, we had our board meeting in Los Angeles. My wife and I went out there for that board meeting after the board meeting, we stayed around for the 22nd and spoke at First Presbyterian Church of Hollywood. Had a service at 8.30 in the morning, 9.30 in the morning, and 11 o'clock in the morning. And then we had a roundtable discussion about inner city ministry for about an hour and a half in the afternoon. Then we drove up to the San Fernando Valley and I spoke at a church there at 6 o'clock. And we caught the red eye out at 1045, flying back to Atlanta and to Jackson. I learned something. I learned, <laughs> I learned that I'm not as young as I used to be. That's one. All right, that's okay. That's okay. And I learned that um, I don't need to have that many times that I am speaking when I'm traveling, so I'm going to make sure that I do a better job the next time around. The pastor, Tate, shared with me 
that you have been dealing with a general theme called make it plain. <laughs> and today's passage of scripture is Acts chapter 14. And we will be looking at that together in our study. What I really want to talk about today is that the gospel is for everybody. Let me say that again. I think you might have missed it. The gospel is for everybody. Now, now, let's, let's, let me say that again for me. This is for me. The gospel is for everybody. In Acts chapter 10, there was some learning going on. In Acts chapter 9, we go back there and we see that Saul's conversion and Saul had been a persecutor of the church. After he became a believer, God had to somehow or another move him into a, the area of getting to know the other disciples. The disciples didn't want to deal with him because they didn't know whether or not he was legitimate. So the disciples start backing off for him. But there was a guy by the name of Barnabas. <laughs> Thank God for Barnabas. Because Barnabas says, I am going to take a chance on this guy Paul. And Barnabas began to take Paul and introduce him in various places. And then we come to chapter 10. We have this story of Cornelius and Peter. And Peter's vision of the food being coming down. And God said to him, rise, Peter, slay and eat, or get up, Peter, kill and eat. In verse 14 of chapter 10, he says, surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him the second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Peter was led by the Holy Spirit to Cornelius' house, went into Cornelius' house, and in verse 27 it says, Peter went inside the house and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with the Gentiles or to visit the Gentiles. But God has shown me, here's the good news, God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Verse 29, so when he was sent for him, they went without raising any objection. But verse 34 and 35 is a clincher. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts every man from every nation who fears him and do what is right. And Peter had to learn in, in chapter 10. Peter had to ch learn in chapter 11. Chapter 12, there's a movement. And now chapter 13, 14, we now have Paul and Barnabas now going out on their first missionary journey to engage the Gentile community. Now, let me tell you what you're supposed to say now. You're supposed to say amen. amen. All right, that's good, good, good. Be <laughs> because apart, most of us in this room, could be all of us in this room, were left out 
<laughs> but as God led Paul and Barnabas on this missionary journey to take this message to the Gentiles, but the Jews, and, and as they took this message in, and as people began to hear the message, they began to respond to the message. But then there were some who didn't want to respond, and they began to sow seeds of discord. Now listen, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier about be careful of how you sow discord. Because God's work is what? God's work. And many times God works in ways that we don't think he ought to work. But, but there's the good news about the gospel. You know what the good news about the gospel is God didn't ask you whether or not the person next to you should be saved. Keep looking up here. Keep looking up here. Keep looking up here. Keep looking right up here. Don't kick nobody beside you. Listen, listen, listen. The great news about the gospel is that God didn't ask you your permission <laughs> for somebody to be saved. Because guess what? If he asked us, we might find some reason to say somebody ought not to be saved. And Paul and Barnabas, as they began to preach this word and people started coming to know the Lord, then you had this dissension to begin to come in. As they moved from Lystra to Derbys and they moved and, and God began to move in such a way that somebody was healed, the cripple was healed. Now they said, you guys must be gods. We're going we're gonna to set up something to worship you because you must be gods. And as they began to come to them to set up something to worship them to God, Paul and Barnabas had to say, we're not. They wanted to call Paul Hermes, and they wanted to call Barnabas Zeus, and they wanted to begin to worship them as gods. L let, me, let me give us a warning. We have to be careful of making any human being God. I preached a message at my church in Mendenhall, and I raised a question. The question I raised was, do you love your pastor? <laughs> the next question I raised was, do you love your church? And, and I think I got in trouble. <laughs> I think I got in trouble. And where I got in trouble was, and, and I'll talk to Pastor Tate about this when I get back, is, is, is I said to the group, love your church more than you love your pastor. Now, 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 hold that thought. Hold that thought. Because in essence of the fact of if God call another person here, do you love what God is doing in the church? Or have you have narrowed it down to loving some human being and you want to worship some human being? In the dominant black culture, we have sort of messed that up in the dominant black culture because the pastor has all authority in most dominant black Baptist churches. The pastor has all authority, and people put the pastor on a pedestal rather than understanding that that pastor is a human being that God is using. We are all people that God is using. 
And we need to understand that God might use you to do one thing. He might use somebody else to do something else. But let's get rid of the temptation to crown somebody as gods, as super this and super that. And we, we could talk about television preachers and the super things that's going on, but we don't need to worry about them. Let's worry about doing what God has called us to do, to be engaged. So they wanted to make them gods. Verse 13 and 14, the people were preparing to sacrifice to them as gods. Verse 15 through 17, Paul urged the people to worship the living God rather than the missionaries. Don't worship us. We are just the carriers of God's message. You need to worship God. You need to praise God and not worry about giving us that glory. Verse 17, yet he was not left himself without a testimony. The testimony of God going forth. He says that he has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven. He has shown you kindness by giving you your crops to grow. He has shown kindness to giving you food. He's called shown kindness because he's filled your heart with joy. God is doing all these things for you. And we say the word as you don't look at the rain and say, I pray. Don't look at the rain and start celebrating. Don't look at this and start celebrating. Start looking at who gave it to you and celebrate. Because we are so tempted to take things and to make things our God rather than praising God for the things he allowed us to have. Verse 18 through 20, even with these great words, they still wanted to sacrifice to them. Verse 18 says that Paul barely succeeded in persuading the people that he was he and Barnabas was not God, but guess what happened? They got stoned for what they believed and what they were doing. They got stoned. The good news is God liberated him. Paul, Paul healing, and Barnabas and Paul continued to work in ministry. And that's why in verses 21 through 28, Paul and Barnabas retraced their steps. They returned to Antioch and, and Syria and thus completed the first missionary journey. And when they went to Derbe's, they preached the gospel. They preached the good news in that city. And they won large number of people to disciples. And they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. And as they returned, they were giving God the praise for what he'd done because he broke down a wall that separated Gentiles from Jews. When they returned to Antioch, they were strengthened by the believers they were encouraged. They were encouraged to continue in their faith, reminding them that they must suffer some things. So listen, folks, we must suffer a few things. But in suffering, we don't give up. In suffering, we don't quit. The temptation is to quit and to give up. But God doesn't want us to quit. He wants us to keep on persevering. My wife and I went to Haiti, not Haiti, Liberia. <laughs> Let me get it right, Rosa. We went to Liberia in 2011 because we had been working with Mission Mississippi and the division between the church and America has been racial. The division of the church in Liberia is tribal. 
And they said, Dolphins, because you've been working with the church in Mississippi to deal with racial division, will you come over here and help us understand that the church should not be separated based on tribes? And we went in there and preached, but when we were there, we fooled around and uh, I fooled around, we fooled around, got bit by this little thing called mosquito. So by the time I got back here, I had got malaria. 2011, malaria. Malaria attacked my muscle system. And my muscle system has not been the same since then. Do I look back at that and said I shouldn't have done that? I look back at that with pain. I look back at that and say, well, Lord, what are you teaching me now? And what do you want me to do now? Everything we talk about doing, we want it to be perfect. We want it to be nice. We want it to be wonderful. But we need to understand that sometimes God enables us or allows us to go through some hardships. And they did. But God went back to Antioch. And when they arrived at Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything that God had done through their work and how God had opened up the door of faith to the Gentiles. They stayed there for a little while before God began to say, it's time for you to move out. But listen, what has happened? What has happened is powerful. It's so powerful because we talk about the missionary journey that crossed a barrier and the barrier that it had to cross was the barrier of the Jews on one side and the Gentiles on the other side. But this passage of Scripture gives us a celebrated thing as we look at the passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read a couple of these verses. Verse 11, he says, Never forget that once you were heathens and that you were called godless and unclean, by the Jews. But their hearts, too, were still unclean, even though they were going through the ceremonies and rituals of godly, godly, for they circumcised themselves the signs of godliness. Verse 12 says, remember that in those days you were living utterly apart from Christ. You were enemies to God's children. And he had to promise you no help. You were lost without God and without hope. Ephesians said that's who we were. But now, in verse 13, you belong to Christ Jesus. Gentiles have the right to belong to Christ Jesus. And though you once were far apart from God, you've been brought near to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can celebrate today that the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed on the cross of Calvary so that Jews and Gentiles alike can have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For it says in verse 14, For Christ himself is our way of peace. He has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles by making us all one family, breaking down the wall of contempt, that used to separate us. By his death, he ended the angry resentment between us caused by the Jewish laws that favored the Jews and excluded the Gentiles. For he died to annul that system of Jewish laws. Then he took the two groups 
that had been opposed to each other and made them parts of himself, thus fused us together to become one new person. And at last, there was peace. And then it says in verse 19, Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. We have the privilege of being together in the household of God just as every other Christian. We as Christians must believe that this wonderful gospel is for everybody. And listen, that's whether in this passage of scripture it's the Jews and the Gentiles or whether it's the black, white, or whether it's Asian or Hispanic, or whether it's good people or bad people, or whether it's those who fit and those who don't fit. The gospel is for everybody. Now listen, sometimes I was, uh, we were in, uh, I served on the board of World Vision for 10 years. And we were at a board meeting in uh, Canada. And someone asked the Canadians, what's the difference between Americans or those from the United States and those from Canada? The people from Canada said, Americans are arrogant. Now, they said that, okay? <laughs> they said. But I tend to believe that sometimes we as Christians can be arrogant. Listen to this. As soon as you become a Christian and you learn one or two Bible verses, you have to be careful of looking down at your nose as somebody else is still struggling. Sometimes when you become a believer and you start learning a few things about walking with Jesus, sometimes it's pretty easy to start criticizing other people and we need to understand that other people are the way they are because they need Jesus. Let me say that again. I think you missed it. <laughs> it's so easy to criticize people for where they are rather than realizing that that person needs Jesus. And if we believe, I, I, let, let me give you this one here. We was traveling around the state of Mississippi uh, going to a black church one Sunday and a white church the next Sunday. So I called a pastor in Gr Grenada, Mississippi, who happened to be black. And I said to him, Pastor, I want to come by and talk to you about Mission Mississippi. He said, Dolphus, I don't want to talk to you. I said, why not? He said, I know what you're trying to do. And I said, okay, tell me what we're trying to do. I'd like to hear from somebody else. He said, you're trying to get us to love white people. <laughs> and I said, okay, uh, what's wrong with that? He says, well, I want you to know that white people ain't going to never change. And I said, Pastor, let me help you, help you out a little bit. Can you tell me about what you preach about every Sunday? Tell me about the Bible you use to preach from. 
See, the Bible I use talks about Jesus hanging out on Calvary. And the Bible I use talks about his death on the cross Open up the gate, and, and at, the end, at the entrance of the gate, there's the word, whosoever. And, and, the, and, and, and John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. And, and the dolphin's weary definition of whosoever is just anybody. <laughs> and we must believe, and, and, and as, I, as I travel around the state of Mississippi, I said, we must believe that the power of the gospel has what it takes to change us. Sometimes historically, we have allowed Southern tradition to control. It's time for us to get rid of Southern tradition and get to biblical reality. See, biblical reality supersedes tradition. Well, I don't know whether or not I helped that pastor or not that day. But at least it was a communication of biblical truth. God is in the business. So listen, if you've been praying for somebody for five years or ten years, and you've been witnessing to somebody for five or ten years, don't give up. You know why? God sees yesterday and today and tomorrow all at the same time. Let me say that again. I think you missed it because I missed it myself. God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at the same time. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what God's timetable is. What we do is cut stuff short because we try to take God's place. It is not our job to change people. Take it out of your job description. It is not your job to change somebody. Whew. It is your job. It is your job to model out and demonstrate what God wants you to model out and demonstrate. He's the one that does the changing. So often when people don't act the way we want them to act, we cut them off. We don't have the business of cutting people off. We need to be faithful to demonstrating and modeling out. The president of the Southern Baptist Church the national president, Dr. Ronnie Floyd, December 15, 2014, wrote a major article to the denomination. He said, the rooms run deep. Racism and injustice must end. And grace and love must begin. When I read that, I called Nettie Winters, who's who, who's the president of Mission Mississippi. I was the president of Mission Mississippi up until 2000, whatever. And Nettie took my place as president of Mission Mississippi. I called him and said, Nettie, you've been saying this for a long time. Now the president of the largest white denomination in this country is now saying it. Maybe this message, it's time for this message to permeate culture. The message needs to permeate culture. So every time, every time that Paul and Barnabas went out, they went out there to deal with culture. But they had to say, the word of God is greater than culture. The word of God can penetrate culture. The word of God can change culture. So he says, the wombs run deep. 
Racism and injustice must end and let grace and love begin. We need to cry out against racism and injustice. He said this. The wounds must end. The church must rise. The church must move with grace. The church must move with love. And the church must make it happen. Well, we need to make it plain. Paul and Barnabas went through many obstacles to take this precious gospel to the Gentiles. Wow. We don't know all of them, but they went through them. We must be willing to overcome difficult obstacles to take this gospel to a divided people. Whether it is Jackson, whether it's black or white, whether it's North Jackson versus South Jackson, or whether it's Jackson versus Ridgeland and Madison, whether it's the haves and the have-nots, we have to believe God to allow us to carry this gospel across those barriers. Those barriers can't stop the gospel. That's what Paul and Barnabas demonstrated. The barriers must never stop the gospel. And we must believe that God wants to take this gospel forward. Well, at the end of the service out there, my wife and I are going to have a few of our books. And, and we want to help you. <laughs> you help people by encouraging them to read something that stretches them. My book, I Ain't Coming Back, might not stretch you. That's what I said when I graduated from, high, from college, graduated from high school, went to college in California. Lord, I ain't never coming back to Mississippi. And listen to this. If God would have left me alone, I could have worked my plan. I had a plan. And if God would have left me, <laughs> if God would have left me alone, I could have worked my plan. And so I, my book, I Ain't Coming Back. The second book is Crossing the Tracks. Crossing the Tracks deals more with more Mission Mississippi. It deals with how in the world will we begin to cross barriers in order that the gospel will get to people. The barriers might be the railroad tracks. The barrier might be a river or a creek or a bridge. The barrier might be race. The barrier might be politics. We got to cross over those barriers to get the gospel to where it needs to be. And then my wife is quiet and reserved and all that. She finally wrote her story, and her story is entitled Stepping Out from the Shadows. How many people who don't have gifts like other people feel like that you, your gift is not important? I want to tell you something. Everybody's gifts in God's eyesight is important. Those who wash the dishes, those who clean the floors, those who do this, the body of Christ functions when all the gifts are being used, and quiet people have gifts other people have it, but we all like to recognize the soloist and the preacher and the person up front. And so she's written her story. And we have these three books, and we sell these three books to build a real Christian foundation, which is designed to help us reach out to other small communities throughout the state of Mississippi. What we did in Mendenhall over 27 years, what we are doing now is helping to teach other communities how to do what we did. We want to mentor them and encourage them and walk along beside them. But we also want to have the capacity to give them $1,000 or $10,000 to help them do what, we want, what they want to do. Let me close with the words of a song that I'm not singing. Thank goodness. It, it, it's entitled, Through It All. The William Brothers sung this song. It said, heartaches. I've had my share of heartaches, but I'm still here. Troubles. 
I've seen my share of troubles. And I can imagine Paul and Barnabas saying, but I'm still here. Bruises, I've taken my lumps and bruises, but I'm still here. Loneliness, I've had my share of loneliness, but I'm still here. Through it all, I made it through another day's journey. God kept me here. I made it through another day's journey. Lied on. Many times I've been lied on, but I'm still here. Burdens. I've had so many burdens, but I'm still here. Dark days. I've had my share of dark days, but I'm still here. Yes, I'm still here. Disappointments. I've had my share of disappointments, but I'm still here. Through it all, God has kept me. I'm still here. And Paul and Barnabas, when they finish their journey, that first missionary journey, Paul had been beaten and stoned. But Paul and Barnabas would be able to say, I'm still here. And we can say we benefited from Paul and Barnabas going through what they went through so that now Gentiles everywhere can have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Father, take these truths and bless them to the hearts of your people. And Lord, if we said some things and it didn't come out right, we ask through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll make it right. In Jesus' name, amen.